minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day Podcast. It is your usual Saturday crew. I am Jason Perone of Game On Wisconsin, Pulse of the Pack. Pack a Day podcast and the Quick Slants podcast, along with Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express and Game On Wisconsin, and of course the Pack a Day podcast. I guess I should say for both of you as well. Mark, how are we yes. looking on? How are we looking on the East Coast? We're looking great. Weather's been been wonderful. Been on the beach almost every day this week. Uh, couldn't ask for anything more. Beach time important. It's just hot, sunny, and hot out here in in phoenix i got nothing else to report there paul <laughs> welcome back how are we looking in, in wisconsin uh, i'm doing fantastic guys uh it's cooling off up here and i'm just happy to be back with you too yeah awesome awesome stuff well we're back to so we went through all the positional analysis so we're back to kind of picking some fun topics which we've been on a roll lately and i think we've got uh another good one for today we're actually going to just kind of give some thoughts on training camp so far since the packers have racked up some practices and some things have been going on so we'll just kind of go roundtable and talk about some of the stuff that we see. But before we get into that, the Packers activated Yosh Nijman from PUP. So he is active, big tackle, big offensive lineman. And Rick Wagner is back on the practice field as well. So that's two tackles that are now active for the Green Bay Packers. We've talked about the offensive line and the tackle position. And Mark, I don't know if who the players are makes a big difference, but having more depth on the field is never a bad thing. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not a, I've made it pretty clear I'm not the biggest uh, Rick Wagner fan, but better to be out there than not to be out there. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's good news. And Yosh is a guy I know Paul liked him. Um, I think there's a lot of upside there, so good to have him back. He needs to practice reps. I mean, that's a guy that needs as much reps as he can possibly get. So that, that's real good news for, for him. So I guess the only guy that's still out is is Bolton am I am, am I missing somebody Stepaniak oh yeah okay yeah right Stepaniak yeah. and Taylor but I don't know if you but they're NFI which is a different designation yeah I don't think though I mean I don't think I don't think he I think they drafted him knowing he was going to not play this year sure right? I mean I don't think anybody thought he was going to be a possibility so yeah he's redshirt um, maybe a redshirt yeah and then somebody didn't somebody get hurt today or yesterday a backup I did not hear yeah. about that yeah, I thought I read a. Um, now my mind's drawing a blank, but somebody that it was like a borderline guy to make the team. I thought anyway. Oh, KB on Ento. That's it. Corner. You got it. Yeah, I don't know why that Ento. took me so long to. Geez, uh, <laughs> Friday brain. Good lord, we're exactly. recording this on Friday. Yeah, KB well, on Ento. Day, so yeah, I. Did. Fried, <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get the update on that, so I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, what? he was taken off the field. Didn't they? they didn't sound. He had, uh, he had foot surgery on Wednesday. Oh, there you go. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's yeah done. For I, the time I, I don't think either one of us had him, or any of us had him making a team, did we? I did not. No. Yeah, I thought he'd be a practice squad squad guy again. No, but he was one of those that I think was like maybe the last guy cut in the positional group. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. But by the time you get to that level at the corner position, you've dropped off quite a bit from your starters. So, yeah, the Packers are going to have – and this is, happens every season. The attrition sometimes makes the roster decisions for the team. Yep. So, KB on Ento's got some recovery ahead of him. Josh Nijman, outside chance for him to be – I think he'll end up benefiting from the expanded practice squad rules this season. I think he'll end up there to start. And then he could end up being a guy that maybe they bring up if 
There are a lot of injury issues if you go beyond Rick Wagner, who's already dinged up, if he gets dinged up again or something like that. I'm not penciling him in as a, a key, Yosh as a key guy. But again, it's good to have them out there for practice. And Mark, like you said, give them the reps, give the young guys the reps because they need it, especially this year where there hasn't been any OTAs or mini, camp, or, uh, mini camps up to this point. So this is a little bit of team news there. But as far as our observations go, I'll, I guess I'll lead off with the, the big one that I have noticed so far is the defensive backs and the defensive backfield and just a little bit of the, the swagger that they have. I like the culture that they're building there. They added Jerry Gray to the coaching staff, the safeties. You've got Darnell Savage getting ready to jump in in year two, Jair Alexander moving into year three. Kevin King says he's also a number one corner. You know, it's Everyone's getting picks and practice. Now, say what you will, it's practice. It's a controlled environment. But it seems like, like I said, there's a healthy culture forming. You know, they they won't, they're, it's almost like they're saying they won't be thrown on and they're going to make life tough for opposing wide receivers. And in a passing NFL, you can't hate that. You know, I mentioned some other, some other guys who are going to step up this year. Adrian Amos, the solid vet in year two. Raven Green is back. Shannon Sullivan's looking good as the guy who's supposed to be the de facto third cornerback at this point. Uh, your guy, I think actually both of your gears guy, Stanford Samuels has made a few plays. You know, his. I'm sure you guys know this, but his dad was an undrafted free agent with the Colts in 2004, and then after that he went on to play in Canada. So he's got some, he's got some pedigree with football going on there. But as far as the defensive back group, we haven't talked about them a ton Mark, your thoughts on that group? And I know we've talked about Jerry Gray and some of the other players, but you know, what are your thoughts on what you see so far from them? Oh, I think that I think the secondary is going to be very, very good this year. I mm-hmm. really do. Um, and like we we did talk about Jerry Gray, and, we, and I think we were 100 percent right about Jerry Gray and any impact that he's already made just in camp. I'm I'm reading stories now. Uh, I forget who 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 wrote it, but like saying that. Jerry Gray may have been the best off-season acquisition the Packers made. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, we said that two months ago, all right? You're, they're finally catching up to it. <laughs> right. um, but, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, there's talent there. There's obvious talent. Alexander King, um, Savage, Amos. That's that's those. I mean, the top four are very good. Not not good, very good. And now if, if Jerry Gray could get Sullivan, who showed signs last year of being a pretty good player, to, you know, have him take that next step. You know, I've heard good and bad, but more good about Josh uh, Jackson coming coming on a guy that we have talked about a lot on on this podcast, um, and I, and I thought that's where Gray could really help a guy like that because there's obviously and we've gone over this hundred times. There's ability there. He you know he wasn't a second round pick and didn't have that great year at at at, at Iowa just by by chance. I mean, there's there's talent. Um, you know, Raven Green, who, who you mentioned, is is healthy again. Um, I think the kid. Um, that they took in the which is a Scott, the 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 low round draft pick. Um, he's you know he could be a I don't know if he's going to make the team or he'll be on that edge like you said last cup maybe practice squad maybe on maybe last man on the roster. But there's that this is a talented and young secondary. This, and keep in mind all those guys that we've talked about they're all what second year third year fourth year maybe you know Amos is probably the, the oldest one and what's he in this fifth year I don't think anyone on the Packers defense is even 30 years old and that's the entire defense so you know the secondary is young they've got young guys Kevin King 
may have worked his way into the conversation in the front office for, hey, do we bring this guy back? We were going to let him walk, but maybe we can't. Maybe do we bring him back? You know, Paul, I don't know. Josh Jackson, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have left off that list. So good catch there, Mark, because he's a big, been a big story so far this, this offseason. And I'm rooting for him. I hope that he pans out and turns into something good. Paul, I know you've been kind of tracking the, the defensive backs. You did your uh, positional groups and all that kind of stuff. So are you seeing it the same way? Is there anything else that you see? I know well, we, we haven't talked enough about Kadar Holman, so maybe I should just turn it over to you and let you do that. <laughs> um, no, you guys hit it on the head. They're young, talented, and I'm also going to add super confident, which is what you want at that position and, frankly, at all the positions on your football team. Um, I think it was in Kevin King's interview, he was asked about, he was asked about, um, you know, being the number two to Jair Alexander. And he said that they're both ones, yep, you know, totally. and that's the kind, that's the kind of confidence that you want there. Right. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. And Kevin King, well, and he, he knows he's got to get paid. So he's got to come out and say all the right things, whether it's the Packers or some other team, he's, he wants a chance. And Hey, listen, after all the picks he got last season and he played pretty well, if he stays healthy and plays a full season this year and he's even serviceable, I would imagine someone's going to pay him if Green Bay doesn't want to. But yeah, the secondary is strong. You know, I mentioned Raven Green. I'm really excited for Raven Green to get back in the mix, do what he does back there. And I think it's one of those things where we've talked about the 2011 safety tandem with Charlie Pepper back there. Charlie Pepper was, he was a starting safety in a Super Bowl, even in 2010, right? He was a starting safety and when you think about that, I think a lot of the credit there goes to the coaching staff and the culture on defense. You can actually have guys like Tremont Williams, Charles Woodson, Nick Collins, and they're able to get more out of a guy like Pepper just simply because he's part of a good culture, right? I, th- I think there's something to be said there. So that's that's why that position group sticks out to me. I just I think the culture of the defensive, I mean the defense in, in general, is just you know they're 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 a huge strength on this team. But the secondary specifically, as Jair gains more swagger and Darnell comes into his own and the game slows down a little bit for those guys. It's it's going to they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Mark, what was your number one observation so far from training camp? Or what do you got? Well, my thing is and again like like you said it's training camp, right? So and and I I don't want to get too over excited or overhyped about what happens in camp, but it's been a pretty good camp for the Packers. I think everything they hoped would happen, especially on I'm, I'm sticking on on the defense now. Everything they have hoped what happened has happened. Harry Gray has made an impact on those young kids back there, like we like we just said. Uh, Kamal Martin, that linebacker, looks like the real deal. Yeah, um, the guy, the guys, and, and they, it's funny because they can't say too much because all these new rules the Packers put in that we that we talked about last week. But um, they want to tell you that he's running with the first team, but they can't. So they're doing everything but telling you that he's running with the first team. He's going to start next to next to Kursky at, at at linebacker. There's there's no doubt in, in anybody's mind right now. And he could be good. I mean, I remember when he was drafted. I I talked to a scout about him that said, you know, he said he's better than Blake Martinez now today before he even took an NFL snap that he was better than than Blake Mar- Martinez. That is so, that is not something I think we should just gloss over. What did you think when you heard that, Mark? Well, I never thought Blake Martinez was all that good, so I wasn't too Okay, excited, so it wasn't but, a huge surprise. But, but, but just the point that, that he was making to me was they got a guy better than the guy that they let go in the fifth round. I mean, so he loved Martin. He thought he said if Martin could have gone, you know, he, he had some injury problems last year. He said he, you know, he gave him, he had a third round grade on him. And the Packers got him in the fifth round, so that's that's pretty good. Um, so anyway, that he's doing as well, if not better, than they expected. So that's gonna 
That's a big thing. Uh, Gary looks like he's, you know, the light bulb's coming on, and you know that the the, the rookiness is—is is that a word? Rookiness? Did I just make that up? I love uh, it. Let's roll with it. <laughs> but but he that that's off him now. So he looks like he's going to be a factor. So now they have three really good outside linebackers, and he might have and, and might for the first time, and I don't know how long, have two good two good inside linebackers to go with a good secondary and. You know now, and then 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 up front, which is probably the weakest part of the defense. But you still have Kenny Clark, and they got his contract done, which was another good thing that happened on that defense. So you have that. You have, like I said, the linebackers, and you, and it looks like Kingsley Kiki is looking like he's a, a legitimate. I'm not saying you know I'm, I'm not looking for Pro Bowl out of him, but a legitimate starting defensive end. I think oh. Kiki. I think Kiki's going to be an important another guy that's that a big jump this year is going to be important to that defense for sure. Right. And that's one of the things that we had talked about earlier too, about when we, when we were talking about this year's draft class, we were saying, well, they're rookies and you can't expect a whole lot, especially this year. But Paul, I think you even did a story about it. Last year's draft class is, the, is what has to step up. And Kiki's one of those guys that looks like he, he is step and well, Gary, obviously, but Kiki as a what, fifth round pick looks like he is making that, that step forward and, and, could should, or could or should be a starter up front. So this defense could be very very good this year. I'm I'm pretty. I mean, it wasn't bad. I, I thought the defense was pretty good all last year. I mean, take that Niner game away at the end. It was just a miserable effort. But all year, I thought the defense was better than it had been in in a long time. And I think it's going to be even better yet this year. Yeah, it will be. And I was going to ask. I was going to actually ask because I know Paul, you did a lot of. The work and research and on the topic of Rashawn Gary and if there's anything else you wanted to cover on on what Mark said too but as far as the way that you see Rashawn Gary and what he's going to do in this this second year is it how much of a linchpin is his second year success going to be to the defense overall and do you, and does your answer tie at all or a lot into where he was drafted like is that a big part of the equation for you I mean yeah I think it has to be he's the 12th overall pick and you know, even though he's only one year into his career and he was behind the Smiths, I mean, people are, I guess, down on him, if that's the right word to use, because he was the 12th overall pick. So, I mean, expectations are that he's going to take a jump this year, or he should. And all signs, I know it's training camp, it's practices, and we haven't seen preseason games, but all signs are pointing to him doing that. I know Wes Hodkowitz tweeted out today that he did Reggie White's hump move in practice. Yeah. Um and then he went, I think he was, I think I also saw that today he went undefeated in the um, pass block, pass um, rush drills, oh, beating okay. his offensive lineman all, I think two or three times that he went. I mean, every, every practice we go by, you know, you see the tweets from the reporters that are there that it's just all very encouraging to see. And, you know, Mike Smith's talked about it, Matt LaFleur, Patton, you know, there's not a harder worker on this team than Rashawn Gary. I know coming out of college for some reason there was this, you know, questions around his work ethic, but that's clearly not the case. I mean, he's he's put on weight, but he's slimmed up. He looks faster, stronger, and he's going to – I mean, last year he was a rookie behind the Smiths, but also Kyler Fackrell is here, mm-hmm. and he's still going to be behind the Smiths in snap count, but he played, I think, about a quarter of the snaps last season. This year I'm guessing it might be, you know, 50%, 60%, depending how much they use him inside, outside, all that stuff, but it's – I mean, he is the 12th overall pick. It's time to see him, you know, produce a little bit more. But one stat that I do really like is from last season, 
weeks 14 through 16. He had 27 pass rush attempts, and he had one sack and five uh, five pressures. You know, that's you a go. pass rush rate of almost 19%. Now, I'm not saying he's going to maintain that for the season because that's a ridiculous rate, but that's, that's what you want to see. He was progressing as the season went long, and I know everyone's thought is we want to see, you know, the first-round pick come in and just be a wrecking ball, a force on the field. But the Packers have the luxury, and I use that word luxury, to bring him along slowly and develop him, which, you know, by the end of the Ted Thompson era, you know, they were relying on rookies to make an impact right away. They don't have to with Gary because they have the Smiths. And in the long run, well, no, he didn't have this outstanding rookie season like everyone hopes a 12th overall pick does. In the long run, he should be better off because they have this advantage to bring him along slowly. And honestly, it looks like it's working to perfection. Yeah, good points. And also, there was a narrative about, and some thought, that Rashawn Gary also, how motivated is he? Does he like football? Is he lazy? I heard that. And I'm sure you guys might have heard some whispers there too. Maybe not from anybody accredited, but I, I did hear some of that out there. And so that kind of puts to rest whether or not he's dedicated to his craft. He shows up in really good shape. And if he's tearing it up at practice like this already, it's it's going to be helpful to be able to spell Zadarius and Preston Smith. Those guys aren't old. Make it, they can handle it. But if you don't have to put all that wear, I mean, remember how many times Z would come out for a couple plays in a game? And I mean, in that Dallas game, I felt like he was every other snap. He was on the ground. And I don't know if that was just to buy time or what it was, but it can't hurt to have that healthy rotation. And then all those guys are fresh come playoff time. I think that makes a huge difference. And then it doesn't look like, Mark, what you said, just that very bad looking effort in a meaningful, really deep playoff game. And the 12th overall pick, you mentioned it, Paul. That was kind of my question is how much of the equation is is that in your answer? And you can't ignore it whether it's his his call or not and it's not the player's call where they get picked the team decides to draft them there but i think it's i think it is part of of the deal but and that was actually mark that was perfect perfect segue cuz Rashawn Gary was actually one of the points that i had down here as well so we we kind of both noticed that as well but paul did you have what do you got for your top observation so far in training camp so i got two that i guess i'd call a tie but i'm going to start with Jordan Love cuz if you're in Packers Twitter he is a hot topic of conversation on Friday Um, because of his play or I guess you know lack thereof up to this point in practice Matt Schneidman of the Athletic his article he did his right or stock stocks that are on the rise and on the fall and he had love in the fall category um, noting that he hasn't looked like anything that the Packers were hoping for um, when they traded up for him. And that's not word for word, but you get the gist of what I'm, what I'm getting at. He also did note though, that he is only nine practices in. And I think that's the most important part of all this. You know, it's been, we all know how hard quarterback is to play in the NFL and loves had to come in. No OTAs, no mini camps, no preseason games, limited time at Lambeau field, limited training camp. And one of the words that Matt LaFleur has used is that he looks tentative. Well, of course he does. I mean, he's been, it's 10 practices that he's been in. He hasn't had the film room, the time with the coaches. I, I, I sure bet he's second guessing himself out there. Um, and then the other thing that they said is he's not, that's not necessarily letting the ball fly, not putting that zip on it. But once again, that's not a major concern of mine. Cause if you watched him at Utah state, Uh, that was never an issue there. So I think it all kind of comes back to overthinking and overthinking comes from not knowing. 
and he's like I said, 10 practices and we can't expect him to step in and know it. And it goes back to what I said about Gary. Do we want our first round pick to step on the field and be a rock star from day one? Of course we do. Is it realistic all the time? Absolutely not. I mean, I think people forget what Aaron Rodgers looked like when he was a rookie no. and even into his second uh-huh. season. There's a learning curve. This is a difficult position uh, to pick up. And the issues that we're seeing, you know, accuracy was another one that's been mentioned. These are all things we knew about him. This isn't a surprise. We knew coming out of college, he had to improve his decision-making. His accuracy had to get better. But he's got good size. He's mobile. He's got an NFL arm. You see the tangibles that are there. You know, when, when teams draft players, they draft who they're going to be. They don't draft who they are in April. And when you look at Love, if you watch him, you can see – why the Packers drafted him because he has the tools. Do they need refinement? Yes, they do. But he has that, the, the ability where you can see, all right, if we refine this, we might have a player. here. And so he's 10 practices in, and I know he's the quarterback. He's Aaron Rodgers' replacement, so he's going to be scrutinized. But I think just with every snap that he takes and just everything needs to be taken just down a notch. Give him time. Let him learn. Because guess what? He doesn't need to start tomorrow. They still have Aaron freaking Rodgers under center. So everyone just needs to take a deep breath. Jordan Love, you know, maybe it doesn't pan out. Maybe it doesn't. But that's the point. We don't know right now. And you wrote about it, Paul. You wrote about that over at Dairy. That was a Dairyland Express, I believe. And that's it's, it's a good reminder. And there was a very healthy conversation on social media about Jordan Love. We've talked about him many times on this show. The only thing I'll say, and then Mark, I want your thoughts too, because you've covered a lot of quarterbacks over the time, over your time and. And when you were covering the Eagles and you probably saw a lot of guys that everybody thought was going to work out that didn't. And you probably saw some guys that everybody said he's going to bust and they actually ended up being okay. But the one thing I'll say is early on in practice, a very subtle thing that backs up what you said, Paul, about overthinking and his head is swimming right now. And it should be. He's in a he's in the position of least advantage of a rookie quarterback that I can think of in a long time. And I'm only thinking of the Packers because I only follow Green Bay. But just to have so much taken away from him in terms of connection to the team, it's tough. But the three quarterbacks did a drill where it was just a simple take the snap, drop back, three steps, and then make your throwing motion. And Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle both look like the same guy. They drop back three steps, they turn, they throw. Jordan Love drops back three steps, and then he just kind of stands there and, and pats the ball. And you can tell he's kind of thinking like, okay, how was my footwork? And then he's like, oh, yeah. And then he makes his throwing motion like a, a, a half a second late. Very subtle. But that to me said, okay, he's got a lot going through his head. It's it's not – and the problem is, and this kind of goes along with this whole theory, Mark, and when we were talking about, about everybody refreshing Twitter and wanting wanting to know right now how everybody's doing in practice – because there have been anomalies and guys that came in and just lit the world on fire right away, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, everybody expects every rookie quarterback drafted in the first round to be that, and it's just not realistic. And again, I go back to your many years covering the NFL, right? So take it away. I mean, you probably saw examples that went both ways, like I said. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of something. But yeah, there are. there's, there's a hundred. And Paul, I, I, was, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. Yeah, go back and, re- and read what... what Packer beat writers wrote about Aaron Rodgers his, his rookie year. They had him. They were calling it a bust. They were actually, I think some actually used the word bust. Yo, Brian Brown was supposed to take over for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. Well, that the Packers were a little nervous themselves, I guess, right? They would have drafted Brian Brown, who I 
I loved Brian Prom. God, I thought that was a great pick. Uh-huh. But I mean, he was so good. <laughs> Thank God they took Matt, Matt Flynn five rounds later. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, and you, and you, what you said earlier too, mate, was so much. It's nine practices. It's and with, without an OTA, without a mini, without any of those rookie stuff that they normally do, you know, prior to the vets coming into camp. I mean, this year, this whole any rookie that I mean, that's why I'm. I'm so impressed with this different, you know, obviously different p- position, different side of the ball. But with Martin being able to do what 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 he's done, I think every rookie at almost every on every team is gonna is way behind what they normally would be would be any other year because it is how crazy 2020 is, you know. But yeah, I'm not. The, I mean, Jordan Love's gonna be. Fun. I, I again, I don't. I don't know. I don't. My thoughts on Jordan Love are no different on August 29th than they were on. The night of the draft when the when the Packers took him, I, I think I thought it was a good pick then. Um, I think he's going to be very good, and I'm not going to worry about his first nine practices in, in the NFL and, and not looking, you know, being tentative because, of, like you said, of course he's he's going to be tentative, you know. Uh, you know what it is? They and I, I hate to, I don't want to criticize writers because it's a hard job and and, and, they, and Packers made it harder on them this year oh. by not letting them write about certain things, so they got to find something. So, and and you mentioned the the story, and I I read it myself. The stock up, stock stock down, and I agree. All the stock ups, I'm reading, saying, yeah, I agree. This is all. he had to put somebody for stock down, and there isn't many stock downs that, that that you could put. So I guess he had to throw Jordan Love in there just to put his stock down. Yeah, and you're talking about Matt Schneiden. Well, I was going to say, he was talking about Matt Schneiden of The Athletic, and I know we kind of bounced around the idea on that before, but go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, how many times have we seen teams draft a quarterback in the first round and throw him to the Wolves week one when he's not ready? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how, how about often Deshaun, does that end? Yeah, often. Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. I, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other night about that. I said, you know, and I like coming out of Notre Dame, I thought Kaiser, and I, and I remember I was still writing every, every day then, and I remember talking to scouts, and the, the the consensus on Kaiser was: A should have gone back to school, should have should have played another year at Notre Dame, but he didn't. That, that's on him. Second was he needs to go to a team that has a veteran quarterback that isn't going to have to play him right away. C he would and he'd be best suited on a team with a quarterback kind of you know a, a, a coach that's going to that's that's known for helping quarterbacks. Blah blah blah. That were as one, two, three. Well, guess what? He went to the well, he came out. So I was a, he went to the Cleveland Browns, the worst team in the league, and they played him day one. And he was awful. And then they trade him to Green Bay. And then he it's this and, and I, I won and I said this to my friend, and I'll I'll ask you guys the, the same question. If the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy had drafted Kaiser that year, where is he today? I think he's still I still think he I think he's Number two, I, I, he's not out of football like he is now. I think his whole, you know, it, it's just a lot of times where the team that drafts you and the coach that drafts you defines you and could mess you up in a lot of ways or be very beneficial to you. Yeah, and you're talking about the Cleveland Browns. The Browns who have, were so bad back then. I mean, they've improved marginally now because they actually have Baker Mayfield. and But it's a double whammy. It's you're, you're drafted first overall by a team, obviously, that is – that didn't do well the year prior, and then it's Cleveland on top of that. Say, I mean, make all the jokes because 
it's the Browns. Paul, I'm sure you probably see it the same way, but I think there's some. some I think there's something to be said there. I think Deshaun Kaiser might still be around if if he isn't forced to start and he's backing up in Green Bay. Yeah, so much of the careers that players have, um, especially when you get into you know the mid round guys, it's where do you end up. You know, who's your coaches? Who are you learning from? Is going to dictate their careers so much. But the world we live in in general, especially in football, it seems like it's all about instant gratification. Yep. But once again, I'm going to use the word luxury. The Packers and Jordan Love have the luxury to give him time to develop. And I know we want to, like I said, we want to see our first round picks. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I was rooting for the Jordan Love pick. You know, Packers are on the clock, pick and pick. I'm not going to pretend. Of course, I wanted a receiver like everyone else. Or an offensive line. Did you want one there? I didn't want any receiver when they were all gone. Right, not when they traded up. Right. But leading into it, of course, oh, I, I did. did. Yeah, we all did. But well, I right. wanted to tackle. I still want to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but the Packers have that luxury to bring him along slowly. He's going to take his lumps. And I'm just here to say it's okay, everybody. Yeah, and I think that leads into my the next the next point because I most of my observations we've we've kind of talked about. I was well, gonna I was gonna ask. Back up for Jason. Yeah, can I just because you had asked me about and I just thought of this now. You had asked me about the quarterbacks that I that I've covered. Yes, well, yes. Well, Donovan McNabb was the second overall pick in '99, uh-huh. and Andy Reid, who you know we've talked about my relationship with with, with Andy Reid, and but I, I'll give Andy credit for both Donovan and Patrick Mahomes and. He did not rush either one of them, in. and and Donovan didn't play till the Eagles were, I think, three and twelve, maybe. No, 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 they weren't that bad. Three and ten, I think it was, because they they finished five and eleven. So I mean, he he'd go in a play, you know, they would put him in sometimes at the end of the end of a game, um, little mop up here, little you know, but they you know they didn't. He was not Doug Peterson of all people was Andy's starting quarterback in 99 that Donovan and listen, I was one of the guys saying, you got to play this kid. You got to play this kid. But then I understood they didn't care about 99. They weren't trying to win in 99. And and they couldn't say that out loud because they're still trying to sell tickets, but they didn't care. I mean, it was a matter of learning. We're not going to put this kid out there. And when he's not quite ready and they waited, I guess that's what he started. I think he started the, the week, 15 and 16, but then he like hurt his ankle in week 16 and then didn't play the last game. And then 2000, he starts day one and the Eagles go from 5 and 11 to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it worked out pretty good. Patrick Mahomes and did the same exact thing with him in Kansas City, right? Didn't play at all as a run, right? And Alex Smith. And then they trade Alex Smith. Mahomes starts in Kansas City, goes his first year. They went to the AFC title game and then the next year they win the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, it's better that way. I mean, these teams that feel they have to, I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat probably too long because of that situation was a little was a little crazier than most. But yeah, and Jordan Love is probably going to be another Aaron Rodgers, and he's I don't think I think he needs you know he he might sit two three years. We all know, but again, it seems to work out better for the quarterbacks that don't have to play right away. Now there are some, God bless them, they go out there from day one and, and, and light it up. But for the most part, I can name a bunch of them that had to play too soon and just never became any. Look at the um, Houston when they took Carr, right? It was a disaster mm-hmm. because they had to play right away. He got sacked like 617. Oh, he got beat something. up, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, here's, here's one for you too. Talk about quarterbacks with teams. 
What if Brett Favre had stayed with the Atlanta Falcons? I just was going to ask that question. Does Do we even see what Brett Favre ever is? Probably not. But Gary Glanville. Oh, Glanville didn't like Favre either, so he would have buried him somehow. Glanville didn't want him. Although, although you know, back then, although back then, the punishment if you weren't liked very well was you're going to end up in Green Bay. So maybe Favre would have ended up in Green Bay anyway because Jerry Glanville was trying to punish him. <laughs> Ron Wolf could have got him for a, a you know for, less a, for a lot less than a first round pick. Yeah, exactly. So I think you guys might have had a. I mean, all of my points we've kind of organically gone over. I don't know if you, I think Paul, did you have any others, any other observations, or any other good topics for us? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on uh, what Lane Taylor's done. Yep. You know, re-rewind back to the start of the year, and I was one of the people as well. I thought that he was going to be cut in lieu of some cap savings, just given the Packers' tight cap situation. You got Elton Jenkins at left guard, Billy Turner at right, and Taylor making the five, six million a year that he was for a backup guard. It was a hefty price. But just like Goody does, when we expect him to to zig in one direction, he zags, and he restructured (laughs) Lane Taylor's deal and kept him here. And it's a really, really underrated move. The Packers saved $3 million, and they kept a starting caliber offense alignment on the roster. And it's it's paying off for them. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what happened today, specific, or on Friday's practice specifically, but going into Tuesday, Rob Demosky said that Lane Taylor was 8-0 in that pass-block pass rush drill. The only undefeated offense alignment, you know, that includes Bakhtiari, Jenkins, all that, all those guys. Um, only undefeated to have at least two reps in there. And Andy Herman tweeted out that a couple of those reps came against Kenny Clark as well. So he wasn't going against the JV squad by any means. And so, you know, he goes from potentially being cut to now it looks like he he's going to be a starter come week one. And when, you know, free a- the big free agent signings, those are the, the flashy stuff. That's what grabs the headlines. But moves like this to save salary cap space, to keep Lane Taylor and now have him potentially being a starter, I mean, that's those are the moves that the good or NFL organizations make. It's under the radar. It isn't flashy by any means. But, I mean, like I said, he could be starting week one. And I think what happened with Taylor, at least to the in the public opinion, is that with how quickly Elton Jenkins just took over and became – you know, a superstar, use that in quotes, he's an offensive lineman, but you know what I mean, Um, just how good he was last year. I think people forgot how good Lane Taylor was as well um, prior to that, prior to the injury, and even his down 2018 season. I know we've talked about this before. His his 2018 season by Pro Football Focus or Andy's grading system, it was still better than Billy Turner's 2019. He's, He's a good football player, and Goody held on to him. Yeah, and that's where you hope your team is keeping it. They know more than you do and that there's a rhyme to the reason, even though it may not seem to make sense. Mark, I know you're a big fan of having that depth because it's a musical chair situation on the right side of the offensive line right now. Even if we are pretty sure who's going to end up in which spot, it doesn't hurt to have that depth and a guy that played on some very successful offensive lines for the team over the past few years. Yeah, I was, and I didn't think, I did not want to cut Lane Taylor. Um, I wa- I thought they might trade him because, you know, if you can get something for a guy that didn't look like was, he was going to start for you when you signed Wagner and Turner and all that kind of stuff. But maybe they tried and didn't get what they wanted. And maybe they're saying, I, got I mean, it's, it's an old cliche, but sometimes the best trades are the ones that you don't make. And they didn't trade him. They held on to him. Um, and we said this a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the, in- the interior of the line and talking about who's going to play where. If if I have to rank Taylor, Turner, and Wagner, Taylor's one. 
I'm not sure who's two and three. I guess I'm in my mind is Taylor Turner Wagner, but um, maybe I'm just going alphabetically. Um, <laughs> but you know, but but I you know I thought all along Taylor was the best, and I I didn't know if he'd I mean he would he would have to be much better than all than the other two to win the job simply because of the money. But I guess Wagner getting hurt kind of helped him, helped Taylor. I mean. Um, but he, you know, he went out there and he was getting reps and like, like, like Paul said, you know, undefeated in the, in the one-on-one drills. No, I mean, yeah, like, you know, that's, that's a good story. That's a real good story. And I, I still wish the Packers had a better right tackle. I think the Packers could do a lot worse. Yeah. But they could do a lot worse than Lane Taylor. So oh, good. Lane Taylor's fine at right guard. Yeah. And he's, he's a good, and maybe even if he's got a slide out, it's not ideal, but it's either that or an inexperienced Yosh Nishman who may or may not be ready, just kicking around ideas. So we've got a lot to figure out. Well, that, but we've got a lot of, a lot of the things to figure out with, with that and Turner playing a tackle. I think we've talked about, we've, we've both, we've all like woken up in cold sweats thinking about. So I just, the more I think about it and the more you guys have enlightened me on that whole subject, I was actually okay with Rick Wagner. So I would have just been naive and feeling good and then watched perhaps the first couple games and been like, ooh, the right side of the offensive line ain't what I'm used to seeing from before. So it's good to have your expectations set and that it could be problematic. Hopefully it's not. But that's that's no shortage of conversation on on that position. And then, Mark, what about you? Did we get through all of yours? Yeah, mine was the defense, everything going well. And then Taylor was my number two as well. Just the, what a, what a great story that is. Yeah, so I mean, as far as camp goes, after just nine practices, we've we've managed to find over a half hour worth of good discussion on some of these topics, and some of them are written for us. Yeah, we're recording on Friday, and if you haven't gone back and, wa- and looked through some of the fun Packers stuff that's been discussed, specifically regarding Jordan Love, if you're into that kind of thing, you might want to go back and read. It's it's uh, some very fun thread reading, depending on what your tolerance level is, but I think Paul said it best. It's going to take time, and we need to give Jordan Love some time. So let's go around the horn and talk about what you guys are working on this upcoming week. Paul, we'll start with you at Dairyland Express and Game On Wisconsin. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate what Mark said earlier. I think overall through the 10 practices, you can't not be positive about what's taking place. True. Um, a lot of the young guys that were hoping to take a step forward, um, you know, that remains to be seen in games, but they're having really nice practices. So, I mean, I'm – I'm very encouraged by what's taking place so far, but coming up this week, you know, I'm just really following along with practice. I'll be honest. I don't have a ton of stuff in the hopper right now, but there's new information and um, stuff coming out every day from whether the Packers um, are practicing or, you know, media time. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it, uh, leave it at that. We'll just see what comes in two weeks time. We're going to be preparing for a real NFL football game, a real Packers football game, and it almost seems surreal after everything we've been through this year that we're going to get some Packers football finally. Mark, what do we got coming up at Packer Report this week? Again, like Paul said, I'm going to, you know, we'll wait and see a little bit about what if any news breaks or any stories happen and what the co- what the, what the players and coaches are saying. I am working on something about the offensive line and just the way the Packers have gone about building the offensive line. Well, that ought to be interesting. That's going to be some interesting reading because you've had some good thoughts on the offensive line and what they've, what, I still wish they would have took a right tackle. What they have, and then yeah, with this next draft, if they don't address offensive line, which they did this draft, they just waited a while to do it. They did it, and they did it in a position where you're not going to necessarily get an impact guy. I mean, some of those those guys could become that, but you don't necessarily want to bank 
and bet a lot of money on a sixth rounder. So it's 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 not necessarily a given. But looking forward to reading that from you, Mark. So everybody, as always, enjoy the rest of the weekend. We will be back next Saturday. You can follow the Pack-A-Day podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. In the meantime, everybody be safe. And as always, go Pack Go.